Hello and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. If you take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the Old Testament, uh, the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, we're going to focus in on verse 25, Proverbs 11, verse 25, and before we just go in with both feet and our eyes open and our hearts open, um, let me just take a, also another minute to, to share with you um, a, a short report from uh, Devon Oasis. So this last week, uh, we took a team. Devon Oasis is a, a ministry in Chicago. Uh, the, it is a very diverse section of Chicago. I believe he, um, Dr. Bob Andrews, is heading up that ministry. I believe he said there was like 150 different people groups that he has been in contact with in his ministry there, and a ministry uh, to f- many, many refugees who were just coming in to the United States. And so we took a team of people last Wednesday. Uh, we're doing some exploration. I suppose these were uh, the spies that went into the promised land and um, uh, engaged with um, the people there. So this next picture uh, shows, the next pictures will show some of the things. We, we were able to, uh, because of one of the ways that uh, we were able to, to give as a church was we, we bought some oil and some rice uh, for the families that came. And then there were, I think, 10 or 11 of us that went and engaged with uh, families in the park. Uh, another bridge-building um, opportunity, an opportunity to share the gospel. The gospel was shared there a couple different times. There's barrier languages. There's um, language barriers. There's all kinds of things that, that happened there. But uh, the children, many of the children, um, even though the parents may not speak uh, English well, the children are learning it, and so we're able to connect with them. So we spent a couple of hours there in, in the park that evening. And so I just wanted to, to, to give you a couple of pictures as that team comes back and evaluates um, our future ministry there, what God may be leading us to. 80, literally 80 minutes from uh, Summit Church, uh, the world has come to us there in Chicago, people from around the world. And so um, one of the things that we also have done... Uh, Summit Gear is one of those things that helps fund that project. So some of you that are interested in that, uh, that has helped. That money goes to help us reach out to Devon Oasis this year. We're in a series entitled Distinctive People. Distinctive People. We're looking at six biblical values that shape Christ-centered community. And so these biblical values are Summit Church values And so we've been talking about them these past weeks. The gospel is a value. We value the gospel. We value grace. That is God's grace to us and grace to others. We value growth. We're not all that we're going to be. Thank God we're not what we were. But by his, through the gospel and by grace, uh, we are on, uh, we're growing in our faith. And every one of us have room to grow. We have opportunity to grow. God calls us to grow. 
And there's, there's also the component of us wanting to reach others. There is, there is a, a, a natural um, understanding that we want to grow deeper, but, um, and, and our main purpose is to, is to be concerned. But one of the things as a pastor, I'm concerned about the depth of ministry. God needs to be, God's concerned about the breadth of it. And so as we continue to mature and grow, we also want to reach out. And of course, we accomplish that in many ways, in, in community, in groups. And there's so many opportunities. So grateful for all of you that have. We've never had involvement in groups like we have starting this fall. People who are involved in, in all kinds of, of meetings, getting together with, with people, and fellowship time and, and sharing lives together. Today we're talking about gifts and generosity. Proverbs 11 verse 25 is our text this morning. It simply is this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Did you know that verse was in Proverbs? If you've read the Bible, I'm sure you've read it at some point, but have you thought about that verse? Has that verse come to your attention recently? A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Another version simply says it this way. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. So, <laughs> look, everyone wants to be blessed. We want to live a blessed life. People want and need the blessing of God in their life. And as I've reminded you many times, you cannot work hard enough to make up for the blessing of God in your life. And the prime real estate for blessing is generosity. If you want to be blessed, one of the best places I know to be is, is to be in a, a place where you yourself are generous. A generous soul will be made rich. God has promised to bless a generous soul. That blessing may come with the riches of this world or the next or both. <laughs> Here's what the writer in Proverbs is saying. The person who is a blessing to others, the one who is doing good to others, the one who is generous at heart and soul and, and indeed toward others will also receive generosity from God. Now, if you begin to put that equation into your life and you be able to fi figure out that, um, that, that this whole idea of, of refreshing someone else that I myself am refreshed or that if indeed I am a generous soul um, that I will prosper, you begin to put that equation into life, you, you, your life, you begin to see, okay, listen, I want, I want, to, I want to make sure that that's, that's moving in my in, in my world. I want, I want to know that that is an equation that is, will affect my life. Let me make an interesting connection here between gifts and generosity. And today, um, we're, we're going to end, we're going to talk more about generosity, we're going to focus on generosity, and yet I need to talk about the connection between the two, gifts and generosity. Every, every living person has some natural abilities. It's part of a human makeup. So there are things that you're good at. They come to you as a natural part of being created in God's image. You have some natural abilities. Intertwined in your will and your intellect and your emotion, 
There are some natural abilities. And here are natural abilities. Natural abilities are the traits hardwired within each person that make some tasks in life easier for you than for others. Some natural abilities. Maybe you're a naturally gifted athlete. just comes easy to you. Maybe you're naturally gifted as a musician, so you, you, you can pick up an instrument and, 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 and readily um, become familiar with it and play it. Maybe you can sing, and it's just something that comes to you. Um, you know, I, I think of those gifted musicians. Maybe languages are something that you're just naturally gifted. There's some people that have a, a knack of learning uh, other languages. Maybe your natural ability enables you to adapt easily in an ever-changing and fast-paced world. You just have the ability kind of get into a situation if things are changing you just you're able to to move through quickly maybe your natural ability is good communication skills you have the ability to to be able to put thoughts into words and have people understand them maybe your natural ability is is being self-motivated there's some people that seem like you know they just get out of bed in the morning and they've got all kinds of things that are on their minds it's just a kind of a natural ability how god pre-wired them it's just they just are always always on the go other people do well more in quiet they have a natural ability to work by themselves some people work better in teams some people have natural abilities of leadership now those abilities those skills those kinds of things um, there's technical ability there's administrative ability human relationship ability those kinds of things but every person has some some talents or some natural abilities right so, and yet every person needs to make the most of them. You, ha- you have an obligation to understand what those gifts are and then to use them and develop them and improve on those abilities. And, and often when those abilities are used and shared with others, it is a blessing to others around you, but it also, it, 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 there's, it's a blessing to you, the, the gifts that you have and that you put to use. But now watch this. In addition to natural abilities... In addition to natural talents that you have, the Bible talks about supernatural abilities, spiritual gifts. So we understand what natural abilities are. Here is the, here's what spiritual gifts are. They are special divine empowerment bestowed on each believer by the Holy Spirit to accomplish a given ministry God's way according to His grace and discernment to be used within the context of the body of Christ. If you're a believer... Not only do you have natural abilities or talent, but you have, as a Christian, when the Spirit of God has come to live within you, He has given you a spiritual gift. They're different from talents or natural abilities. Uh, Talents are specific abilities that can be practiced and developed through hard work. Uh, People who do not have the Holy Spirit within them still have many talents, and some of them can do uh, some amazing things. But spiritual gifts are something every believer is given when they receive the gift of salvation, It is by grace through faith. These are spiritual gifts. God is generous. He is constantly giving us things. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says that Christ has generously divided out his gifts to us. So you have a gift. As a a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift. Now that makes you pretty special. Not only do you have a natural ability, not only when, when God was forming you together in your mother's womb, putting you together and, and, and hardwiring your personality and, and who you are, and pouring in gifts and abilities. In addition to that, when you accepted him as your personal savior, you also have a spiritual gift. When's the last time you've hugged yourself and said, thank God you made me the way you made me, right? Do, do you, there, there's something 
that is appropriate about that. Say, God, you made me, and you said it was good. You gave me these abilities. You've also given me this gift. Christ has generously divided out his gifts to us. God's the most generous gift giver you can know. The ultimate gift, God gave himself. You know that, the gospel. The Bible tells us that God gave himself to us in physical form in the person of Jesus. And then there, there was a time when it came for him to return to the Father, and he gave his presence to his followers to live within him, his Holy Spirit. So God gives himself as the greatest gift. And other ways he gives himself is by empowering us with what we call those spiritual gifts or gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when you intentionally develop those, when you understand what they are, how God has gifted you, and you develop those, you realize that his spirit, that the spirit of God, think about that, the spirit of God is working in you and out through you as you trust in him. That means you get up in the morning and your life isn't meaningless. That the Spirit of God living within you has a purpose. He's fulfilling something. You're pretty important to His plan, to the kingdom. You have natural abilities like any person who's ever walked the face of the earth, but you also have the Spirit of God living within you. We value those gifts. We value those gifts. And here's where generosity joins gifts, and this is crucial. God gives gifts to His followers for the benefit of the wider Christian community. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Some of church values gifts, spiritual gifts. We recognize the natural abilities of people. We recognize natural abilities, but we value spiritual gifts in people. Spiritual gifts aren't just special skills that some followers of Jesus you know, have, um, it's, it's for anyone who is a part of the family of God. Spiritual gifts are identified in the Bible. Let me just take you to some of those passages of Scripture. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and following says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in, in accordance with your faith. Um, prophesying here literally is, is talking more about um, uh, forth-telling the truth. Not necessarily foretelling, but forth-telling. So if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy do it cheerfully. And I just want you to notice something there. Some of these gifts are being identified. You say, well, you know, uh, I mean, there's people that would say, listen, my, my spiritual gift is to lead. It is not mercy. So I'm kind of off the hook for that one. Well, that's not how that works. You still have to show mercy, but there's just some people who have a supernatural ability to show mercy. It doesn't mean that you can't, you're not supposed to forth tell the, the word of God. It means that there's some people that have a supernatural ability to do that. And we need those people with those gifts. Corinthians talks about some more. Um, to one, there is given through the, through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. He's talking about gifts where somehow um, there's times people, you know, you need to use wisdom. Um, uh, when, when you think about Proverbs, you think about wisdom literature, there's, 
there's truth there. And we all need to, you know, anyone lacks wisdom, Scripture says, you know, ask the Father. He'll give you wisdom. But there's some people who have a, a supernatural ability to see a situation and get right to the point of it and, and, and understand the truth of it and, and, and encapsulate, <clears throat> encapsulate that, that, that truth into words that when people go, oh, yeah, why didn't I think of that? It's wisdom. Notice uh, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, that the Spirit of God, there, there are times when the Spirit of God may reveal something to someone um, and, it might, and they come and speak to you and you say, how did you know that? Maybe some of you have that gift. You say, listen, there's something, and you're prompted. The spirit, your heart begins to beat out of your chest. You say, listen, I need to go talk to someone. You say, listen, I think I may have a word. God, God, I woke up, or I was thinking, I was praying, I was driving along the road, and, and you came to mind, and here was the thought. I want to pass that on to you. Can you. Do you know how encouraging that is when someone you know has been spending time with God listening and listening on your behalf, and the Lord shares something, maybe, maybe to affirm or confirm something that is in your heart. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. <laughs> you believe that God can still heal? There's people with a supernatural ability to say, listen, I have faith to believe. And so they're the ones praying. And the more they pray, and they seek God and say, listen, um, we have witnessed those things. We'll witness them more. People use those gifts to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to others distinguishing between spirits, to others speaking in different kinds of tongues, and, and to still others the interpretation of tongues. God gives these spiritual, supernatural gifts to the body. Um, I, I, Peter, I think there's another reference here. Yes, First Peter. Each of you, watch this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So there's diversity in the gifting, and yet the unity comes the because of the charity that we have for one another. We recognize those gifts. We, it's, it, it's not a situation where we're, we're um, in, in comparison or even in competition in any way, but together, we're, we're working together. They should do so as one who speaks. So if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through the power, may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever amen. These gifts that, that God has given to, to Christians, to believers, to be used in the body, to bring glory to God and good to you and me. So we value gifts. God has given individual people specific gifts that are used for the common good of the rest of the people. And that's a connection between gifts and generosity. That the fact that you use this gift that we, we value, that God has given to us, that you use that in a generous way. Look, a few, uh, not Saturday, but a Saturday week ago, and then a few weeks before that, there was a team of people who came together, and we were setting up um, shelving in the, in the barn. And it was a, it's a bolt-together shelving, and then um, 
you know, so it, it's going up in pieces and it's being bolted together and uh, it just, it, the people that were just working on that were just working together as a team. But there were times when we're using impact wrenches to tighten up the bolts that were holding the, the, you know, the shelving together. And sometimes um, the bolt on the back side would, would start to spin. And so as you're tightening the nut with an impact wrench, you needed something to hold, hold it on the back. And there were times that people were up on the, on the shelving units, uh, three and four shelves high up in the air. Say, so, hey, I need a wrench. Now think about this. Down on the floor, there was two or three um, open-end, box-end wrenches. And there were, from time to time, you know, somebody would call for a wrench. Somebody needed a wrench in order to complete the task. Can you imagine somebody on the top shelf, hey, can I have that wrench? And there'd be some nincompoop standing on the floor holding the wrench and saying, got one, but you can't use it. Tear up your own fingers. Hold it, hold it if you can with your own fingers. Let it spin. Or let's not tighten that one up. Or can you even imagine that? I mean, as soon as somebody would call for a wrench, there'd be people, here it is. I have one. What size do you need? I mean, we could figure that out just by putting up shelving units. You think the church could figure that out when it comes to spiritual gifts? that we need those gifts and those abilities um, that God has enabled us to have and to use them generously. Listen, I got, a, I got, the, I got the finest wrench made. Maybe, maybe you're into wrenches. I kind of like, like snap-on stuff. I got some craftsman stuff, and I know there's probably better, there's a lot better stuff out there than that. I hate a, I hate a cheap wrench. Doesn't work good in the first place. Um, I have spent many an hour explaining to my wife the difference between a good tool and a lousy tool. <laughs> you know, buy a lousy tool, it breaks or doesn't work, and you bring it in and say, yeah, i got to buy it twice. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And so here, people, it's important for you to know what you have. You better know what tools you have, what abilities you have. It's important to know that, and it's also important to share them, to be generous with them. If you don't know your spiritual gifts, there are a lot of online inventories that can help you identify your spiritual gifts or talk to one of the pastors or talk to someone at the Connection Center, and we will help you. Another option for you could be shape class. It's, it's, a, it's a class that we teach several times a year. In fact, October 16th is the next opportunity you have to sign up for that. You can contact the church office. Let someone from the Connections team know, I, I need to know what my spiritual gifts are. What do other people affirm? Now, watch this. When people are generously using their gifts, blessings flow from obedience. Blessings to God, blessings to others, blessings even to yourself. So I want to talk about this, this idea of using those gifts that we value so much in, in, a, in, a, uh, in a way that we also value so much, which is generosity. A generous soul will be made rich. A generous person will prosper, Scripture says. He who waters will also be watered. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When we give generously, God knows how to give to us. When, look, you, you cannot water without being watered. You cannot be generous and not prosper. You're, you're never the loser um, if you're following our God-guided generosity. 
Jesus said this in Acts 20, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, uh, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, one of the apostles was saying that, identifying what Jesus had said. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, if I, if I want to get water, I must give water. Though that may sound strange way of, of, of self-serving, he said, I pray you try it. Every spiritual gift, every act of grace is increased by exercise. Every spiritual gift, every act of grace withers in its efficiency by neglect. Generosity is the key to blessing. Now watch this. Poverty, poverty is a mindset. The scarcity mindset um, is a problem. Someone said it like this. Poverty is fear. Generosity takes faith. A scarcity mindset is rooted in fear. A generous spirit is rooted in faith. God wants you to become a generous person so that you can do his will. Poverty creates self, selfishness. One of the greatest challenges that we face in our quest to enjoy the best that God has for us is this, this, the, the temptation of selfishness. Have you noticed that selfishness is the theme of these times? When people... Talk about what's, what's in it for me. Many people today are blatant. They're unashamedly living for themselves. I've heard this, I've heard this all too many times when people say, well, I've just got to do what's best for me. Makes me want to puke. Got to do what's best for me. Because too many times what it means is I'm looking out for me and I don't care about anybody else. I, I'm just going to collect all my stuff. Got to do what's best for me. I've ruined a million conversations for you, haven't I? <laughs> Sounds good in one sense, may roll off the tongue easily, but it's most often based out of fear, not faith. Selfishness, not generosity. Got to do what's best for me. When people don't care to take the time to help others in need, they focus only on what they want and what they need, what they feel will most benefit them. If we want to experience a new level of God's blessing and favor, then we're going to have to get our minds off ourselves. Learn to be givers, not just takers. We're, we were designed to, to work in a culture of generosity. Now, here's one of the things that sometimes gets us into danger because we say, well, listen, see where I'm giving over here? I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving. But sometimes because we're so focused even on that, we miss how everybody else is giving. So, well, no one ever gives to me, so I'm going to quit giving. You know, many times that you know, there's, there's been times when I've gotten so busy serving or doing something, I said, listen, I, have, I haven't noticed what everybody else was doing in their own way. And if that person, I wonder if that person is thinking the same thing. Well, I'm so busy doing this over here, but they don't see what, what you're doing. You see, the, there's, the, we have, you begin to create a culture, a community, um, when it comes to, I think this is true. I'm working this one out. If you want to argue with me about it later, um, you can argue with me about it later. But here's, I think this whole thing of generosity, I'm not sure you can figure this out in prayer or in fasting. I think you figure out generosity by doing. 
See, I think sometimes we, we understand the concept. And I, and I think it starts there. Say, God, make us generous in spirit and in our heart and, 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 and help us with that. And you, you say, God, you know, I, I'm, you're convicting me. I think it starts there in prayer. But I don't think that you understand the fullness. I don't understand the fullness of generosity until I'm actually putting, putting feet to my faith. It's one thing to think about it, talk about it, pray about it. It's another thing to do it. By the way, when it comes to generosity, and I'm going to take just a few moments here, one of the reasons I think God established tithing is it's the first thing that conquers our greed and moves us to generosity. This is the whole idea of tithing. It, gives us, it moves us from fear of not having enough to faith in God who will supply everything that I need. You see, Philippians 4.19 is a true passage of Scripture. And if I get you started, you probably can quote it. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You can probably quote that verse. It's another thing to put that thing into, into action, to put your theology in shoe leather and live that one out. Here's my hope, that we would practice the value of generosity, that we continue to excel in being generous, generous with our time, generous with our talents, generous with our treasure. And my personal goal and joy for all of you is that you would be blessed and refreshed by God. You see, a generous person will prosper. It is, I believe, God's will to have you work that equa equation in your life. And, and it's, my, my, it's, it's a joy for me as a pastor to see God's blessing being poured out in your life. One, one verse I love on this idea of being blessed is found in Malachi 3.10. Let me just go there for a minute on generosity and giving. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough Store it. You might think you're in a math class today because there's another equation. God doesn't, you, you ought not to test God, but here's one of those things where God says, Test me. You doubt it? Am I the God of my word? Can you trust me? Those of you who know me and have been around Summit Church for any length of time know that we talk often about opportunities to give. We offer challenges to give. Most often, though, we talk about what happens when you give. The things that, that we have seen happen and accomplished by God's goodness and His grace because of the generosity of people. We celebrate the things that we have done because of generous, this generous spirit of giving. So, if you know me and you've been around some church long enough, I'm just, I'm just talking to you. Um, Pastor to people. We don't badger people to give. We don't expect guests to give. But family members who know the benefit of community, we, we encourage them to give, to be obedient to Scripture because we have generous hearts and we want to be obedient to God's Word when He talks about giving. Uh, I, it, and here's, here's been my conviction of late. I probably, I'm not even centered. <laughs> I'm talking to all of you. So, 
don't think that this side is where the message is for, right? Here's what I've been convinced of and convicted of. That I may, if, if, I, don't, if I don't explain this to, to some of you who, who have not experienced this, you may miss the opportunity to be blessed. Recently, someone told me I don't talk about this enough, so watch this. <laughs> the word tithe, you know what it means? It means a tenth. Here's how it works. You take what God has given you and you return a tenth of it back to him. So, if you make $1,000 and you put $50 in the offering box, you've not tithed. A tithe is a tenth. Randy Alcorn said this. He said, Randy Alcorn, the writer who's written a lot on giving and uh, tithing, those kinds of things, stewardship. Randy Alcorn said this. You cannot tithe 2%, 4%, or 6% of your income any more than you can whitewash a wall with red paint. A tithe is a tenth. So you say, well, I'm tithing, 2%. Impossible. Just like you can't whitewash a wall with red paint. A tithe is 10%. If you make $100, a tithe is 10 If you make 1000 it's 100 In the Old Testament, we see people giving to God. Time's up. You want me to keep going? Have you got too much? All right? On the Old Testament, we see people giving to God the first fruits of their... I didn't hear much response. There. <laughs> you people. In the Old Testament, we see people giving to God the first fruits of their, their flocks or fields. Um, as civilization developed, the means of trade changed. And it's not like a bunch of us have cows and cattle that are sitting around where you can give one of every ten, right? The first time the law, or the, the tithe is mentioned in Genesis, before the law of God is given, Abraham gave a tithe of the spoils of the war to Melchizedek, the high priest. In, 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 the, in the passage of Scripture of the law, that was in Genesis, in the law, Moses prescribed for the people a tithe of their increase. Here's Leviticus 27. A tithe of everything from the land, whether from grain or soil or fruit, from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. It was so important to God that in Malachi, people were accused of robbing God if they wouldn't tithe. New Testament. We see the only time that it's mentioned is affirmed by Jesus. Matthew 23 Here's what he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth, watch this, a tenth of your spice, spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. People say, oh, I'm New Testament, don't have to tithe. Well, that verse gives you a problem right there. Look, the early church, they continued to model generosity. You see, in the Jewish economy, in the Jewish economy, tithing was the ceiling. But in the Christian economy, tithing is the floor. <laughs> you build from there. Tithing is the minimum. You cultivate a spirit of generosity and you'll be blessed. I'm just reading you scripture. A generous person will prosper. If you want to take that verse out of Scripture and think it doesn't mean anything, go ahead and get your knife out. Cut it out of there. But that's what it says. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, I'm going to wrap this up quickly. I think, I believe Scripture supports this. I would strongly suggest that you give your tithe to your local church. 
I don't think that's the only place you should give. Um, but I think it's a primary place to give. Remember how we talk about gifts? You would be a nincompoop to hold a wrench, have it, but not let it be a part of what's happening. And yet there's some people who would say, feel, I mean, you're an nincompoop, right? I mean, I can't imagine. I, my guess is, I mean, I, you know, I don't think we would have pummeled anybody. But some, of, some big, broad guy would have seen a guy holding a wrench that he wasn't willing to use, you know, playing with it, need the wrench. Some big, broad guy would have walked over and politely helped himself to it. Said, wrench. You know, ate your lunch, popped the bag, handed it back to you. Right? But there's some people that would be willing to do that with their money. You don't want to sit by a person like that in church, do you? I want the person sitting next to me to be generous. I want to be that person that's sitting next to whoever it is that is generous. Proportional giving in the New Testament. This is giving to the church on the Lord's day. Giving with no strings attached. Giving with a cheerful heart. Giving with a generous spirit. Listen, you cannot be obedient to God's word and not give generously any more than you can be obedient to God's word and not be faithful to your spouse or love your neighbor or forgive others or be honest, not lie, not murder, not steal. There's some record of people who were being baptized. Before they would go under the water, they'd take their billfold out and hold it in the air and didn't get baptized. That's still my foolishness. I'll say it again. The prime real estate for blessing is generosity. I want you to be blessed. I want you to prosper. I want you to be refreshed. Generosity in all things, time, talents, treasure. I'm going to close with a story. Worship team, run up here. I'm going to conclude by reading a story that makes the point. A lady who tells a story lived as a young girl just after World War II, and here's what she wrote. She said, I'll never forget Easter 1946. I was 14. My little sister was 12. My older sister was 16. We lived at home with our mother, and the four of us knew what it was like to do without many things. My dad had died four years, five years earlier. Left mom with seven school kids to raise and no money. 1946, my older sisters had just gotten married. My brothers had left home. It's a month before Easter, and the pastor of our little church announced that a special Easter offering was going to be taken to help a poor family. He asked everyone to save and to give sacrificially, to be generous. When we got home, we talked about what we could do. We decided together as a mom and a family of three girls to buy 50 pounds of potatoes and we'd live on them for a month. We figured that would allow us to save $20 off of our grocery money for the offering. And then we decided that if we kept our electric lights turned out as much as possible, didn't listen to the radio, we'd save money on that month's electrical bill. My sister got as many house and yard cleaning jobs as possible, and both of us babysat for everyone we could. We also knew that for 15 cents, 
we could buy enough cotton loops to make three potholders and sell for a dollar. We made $20 on potholders. That month was the best of our lives. Every day we counted the money to see how much we'd save. At night we'd sit in the dark and talk about how that poor family was going to enjoy having that money from the church and we would be able to give it to them. We had about 80 people in our church, so we figured that whatever amount of money we had to give, the offering would surely be many times more than that. After all, every Sunday the pastor reminded the people that they should save for the sacrificial offering. Day before Easter, my sister and I, we walked to the grocery store. We got the manager to give us three crisp $20 bills and one $10 bill for all of our change. We ran all the way home to show mom and my other sister We'd never seen so much money before. The night before, we were so excited we could hardly sleep. Didn't care that we wouldn't have new clothes for Easter. We had $70 for the sacrificial offering. And we could hardly wait to get to church. When the sacrificial offering was taken, we were sitting on the second row from the, from the front. Mom put in a $10 bill, and each of us girls put in 20 As we walked home after church, we sang all the way home. At lunch, Mom had a surprise for us. She had bought a dozen eggs. We had boiled eggs with our fried potatoes. And then later that afternoon, the minister drove up in his car. Mom went to the door, talked with him for a moment, and he came back with an envelope in her hand. We asked what it was, but she didn't say a word. She opened the envelope, a bunch of money fell out. There were three crisp $20 bills, one $10 bill, and 17 one dollar bills mom put the money back in the envelope we didn't talk we just sat there quiet and stared at the floor we'd gone from feeling like millionaires to feeling like poor white trash I didn't like being poor I looked at my dress my worn-out shoes felt ashamed I didn't want to go back to church everyone there probably already knew we were poor I thought about school. I was in the ninth grade. I was at the top of my class of over 100 students. And I wondered if all the kids at school knew I was poor. I decided I would quit school because I'd finished the eighth grade. That's all the law required to me, of, of me at the time. We sat in silence for a long time. It got dark. We went to bed. And all that week, we girls went to school and came home, and no one talked much. Finally, on Saturday, Mom asked us what we wanted to do with the money. What do poor people do with money? We didn't know. We didn't even know we were poor. Didn't want to go to church on Sunday, but Mom said we had to. Although it was a sunny day, we didn't talk on the way. Mom started to sing. No one joined in, and she only sang one verse. That day at church, there was a missionary speaker. He talked about how churches in Africa made buildings out of sun-dried bricks, but they needed money to buy roofs. He said... About $100 would put a roof on a church. The minister said, can't we all sacrifice to help these poor people? We looked at each other, and down the aisle we smiled for the first time in a week. Mom reached into her purse. She pulled out the envelope. She passed it to my sister. She passed it to me, and I passed it to our other sister. She's the one that put it in the offering plate. When the offering was counted, the minister announced that it was a little over $100. The missionary was excited. He hadn't expected such a 
large offering from our small little church. He said, you must have some really rich people in this church. And suddenly it struck me. We had given $87 of that little over 100. And we were the rich family of the church. The missionary said so. Deep down, I knew that we actually were a rich family. And so it is, folks, with generosity. Those who are generous will prosper. And whoever refreshes others will be refreshed themselves. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.